0: good to be back and recording and as you guys can hear I am doing so much better especially after getting my wisdom teeth removed. Yippee! Anyway let's go ahead and get started because we've had an interesting week when it comes to nerd media and we're gonna get started with comics. Specifically Going back and finishing up the Deadpool series. And we're going to get started with that with Deadpool issue number three. Now, if you guys remember, Deadpool was basically trying to kill Doc Ock. He got injured, especially with the symbiote in him, and he went to Dr. Valentine. So he wakes up at Dr. Valentine's apartment. He's trying to figure out what happened and is surprised to be fed eggs and bacon shaped like him. Dr. Valentine explains that she cannot take out the symbiote safely but has created an an anesthesia that can calm it down, making sure it doesn't go crazy, and kill Deadpool from the inside out. Basically, very interesting fact considering that Deadpool can usually heal, so for the symbiote able to kill him like that that's actually pretty interesting anyway they begin to talk and she actually begins to flirt with Deadpool even calling him cute which catches him off guard and just it's very funny and he starts fangirling over her because of course he does it's Deadpool they agree to take it out to a test run and see how well the symbiote reacts with the anesthesia in an outside environment surrounded by people meanwhile Lady Deathstrike, who was Deadpool's partner in trying to kill Doc Ock to join this elite group, has another opportunity to join it. After her brother, Lord Deathstrike, who I didn't even know existed, I don't even know if he's an actual character, they just made him up, uh, basically talked and gave her a new bounty to kill not only Dr. Octopus, but Deadpool as well. Meanwhile, Doc Ock is sitting in a restaurant with Harrier. Uh They eventually... Uh, seem to come to an understanding that they're going to help each other out to take out Deadpool and get uh, get the symbiote back. And while they're talking, apparently some patrons decide to mess with them, not realizing who they are, and it results into a hilarious, basically a bar fight. No idea why anyone would try to get to a bar fight with Dr. Octopus, but again, people are dumb. Meanwhile, Deadpool and Valentine spend some time at the zoo with the symbiote, where it uh, ends up eating a flamingo on its own, which I kind of find funny. They continue to talk and flirt to where the symbiote tells them to kiss. Harar and Doc Ock are also at the zoo, where she mutates giraffes and other animals. Lady Deathstrike is there too, and runs into a mutated spider. Meanwhile, Deadpool and Valentine are about to kiss, and they are interrupted by the mutated Hydra giraffes that... The Harrower just mutated, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name. The symbiote seems to work with Deadpool as he yells for the Harrower to show herself. And the comic ends with both Harror and Doc Ock coming at Deadpool. And I would say that's it for that issue, but... Well, it is, but we're going to go ahead and get started with the next issue, with issue number four, where we start off with Deadpool attacking the monsters that the Haror has mutated. Her basically tries to control the symbiote, but because of the anesthesia, it's not working, and the symbiote is helping Deadpool. Okay, from this moment on, I'm just going to replace herrer with h it's gonna make things so much easier doc ock grabs valentine and h puts deadpool inside one of the mutant plant creatures valentine steals a gun from deadpool apparently did it earlier aims it at doc ock and shoots him yes she actually gets a few shots at doc ock deadpool uses his symbiote and gets out catches valentine noting that her taking his gun was hot She tells Deadpool to hold still and pops a few rounds into Deathstrike. Deadpool gets up and before he can do anything, Doc Ock attacks him, but Valentine pushes him away and ends up destroying one of her arms, which seems to be robotic. Meanwhile, Deadpool doesn't realize that one of the plant creatures has taken the anesthesia backpack away from him, allowing the symbiote to basically overwhelm Deadpool. And when it does, it's absolutely insane. The symbiote just starts walking around on its own, over Deadpool, and uh, what's what call it, Deathstrike attempts to kill Deadpool in this state, but is killed by the symbiote. The symbiote is uh, basically running back to its mother, which is H, and she basically puts him into a plant. My guess it's a cocoon, especially with what happens next. All three of them escape, Doc Ock, H, and Deadpool. Meanwhile, Valentine gets up and injects Lady Deathstrike with a medicine that heals her and jumpstarts her healing factor, but blackmails her into helping save Deadpool because the medicine she gave her can also act as a poison. Meanwhile, Doc Ock states that his business is done, but H wants to know what's the point since he didn't get revenge on Deathpool or Death Strike since Deadpool is alive. But before they can say anything else, a bright glow is coming from the flower and Cletus Cassidy emerges reborn and the issue ends. I gotta say, I did not expect Cletus to come back because you know what? Out of all the resurrection stuff, resurrecting in a Deadpool comic was, you know what, I don't wanna say unexpected, because Deadpool and Carnage do have a history together. They don't hate, well, maybe they hate each, yeah, they probably hate each other, but anyway, just showing up in a Deadpool comic reborn, out of all things, yeah, Spider-Man's not gonna have a fun day. Heck, Dylan Brock is not gonna have a fun day, because with Venom being the father of Carnage, that kind of makes them all related. God, that family reunion is gonna be something nuts. Anyway, that's it for Deadpool issue number four. I wonder if, Initial number five spider-man's gonna make an appearance if not well we'll see what happens with cletus cassidy especially with him being carnage again i wonder if he still has the power ups he got from the book heck i wouldn't be surprised if with this new symbiote and new stuff being resurrected he might get another power up which he does not deserve because he's already too overpowered i mean at this point what Fire doesn't really affect him anymore. Wouldn't be surprised if Sonics didn't really affect him as much. Shoot. I mean, I don't can't even see a reason to take him down. I mean, the last time Cletus died was when Sentry basically put him up into space and ripped him in half. He could probably do that again, I think. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, that's it for Marvel. We're going to be moving on to DC with Batman vs. Robin issue number 5. So... The comic starts off with a demon possessing Batman and has Damien in his clutches. Damien uses the Batcave sound system to render him stunned, because apparently having it at a high enough frequency can stun anybody, even a supernatural being. Uh, He gets on his bike and runs off, and he gets contacted by his mother Talia, informing that Batman has been possessed, which he says he knows but she informs him that the possession is the only thing keeping Batman alive after his big battle by using the Fate helmet that was already taxed on with all these different people's magical powers. Monkey Prince shows up on Damien's bike and, like the Chinese legend, makes clones from his hair to distract the possessed Batman. While hiding, Prince informs Damien that he will be able to use his mentors pigsy's spell to exorcise the demon into a container but tells him that there is nothing they can do about his father and he will die damian comes up with a plan and gets the bat family involved they summon batman on top of the gcpd uh, headquarters with the back signal and attack him weakening him physically by overpowering him and overwhelming him while they do get the upper hand on him it's very weird because in a previous issue Batman, still possessed, took out not only Swamp Thing but Supergirl and many other people and the Bat Family is able to overpower him. (sighs) Gotta love writing consistencies. Anyway, uh, while this is happening, Damien is trying to buy time for the Monkey Prince to show up with Pigsy but the Prince shows up himself and tells that they need more time. He uses his hair to clone Damien as they all attack Batman. He gets the upper hand but feels Batman's magical power returning. Pigsy returns with his friends and they exorcise Batman. Batman lays dead. Damien tells him to transfer his life force into Batman but is told that it wouldn't be enough considering that the possession left him more than an empty shell. And it would take a lot more to heal him. Damien uses Oracle to broadcast a message to Gotham having them send a little of their life force to Batman and it works, it revives him, everything goes back to normal, and as you can see I had a lot of fun reading this comic. Uh, this series was very underwhelming, Um, I mean I expected a lot more from this especially since this was supposed to be the dawn of the DC, I don't really think it accomplished much and I'm actually looking forward to a couple new stories especially this new John Kent series. We're going back to the world of Injustice, as I previously stated, but we they issued a preview for this comic, which was really good. Basically, Ultraman has been killing Superman from other universes and apparently is going for John Kent. Whether or not Ultraman has been powered up by an unknown being or just got a power-up is very interesting because in the comics before... Ultraman was always on par with Superman, so for him being this overpowered, I honestly can't wait to see what happens next, and we're going back to the world of Injustice and Tom Taylor's writing the book. I mean, you can't lose with that combination. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's it for comics, we're going to be moving on to TV shows. Left Behind, yeah, that was a very great episode, and honestly it very much struck the same chords as the video game. Because as you guys who play the video game realize, this was a DLC. Because in the original game, we didn't really get to know about Riley, how the first bite happened. We got tidbits. And to see it happen before our eyes in the DLC game was just as hard-hitting as it was in the show. Especially with Riley growing up in the QZ and with... Ellie being there too, and how they basically went on two separate roads until that fateful night. And I gotta say, the mall parts, the Mortal Kombat was kind of new. It wasn't in the original game, but it was fun. uh, Doing the different activities, seeing these girls go through what life was like before in the mall was fantastic. The dynamic between the two actresses was phenomenal, honestly. Their chemistry was really great. You can feel them having fun, and honestly, if you didn't know it was a post apocalypse show, it honestly would have worked great for a sitcom or something. But like I said, just going through the motions, the one thing I did hope they included, but they didn't, was the whole um, water gun scene, or was it water balloon? Anyway, one thing I loved was how they recreated the picture scene in the in the game, that was really fun. And, of course, the most tragic thing of all was the bite. And just seeing Ellie's reaction afterwards, getting big, destroying everything. And you just had Riley there, already knowing what loss was like, just accepting it. And, of course, they didn't really say it in the, in the show, but in the game, they promised to be infected forever. To be together. And, as you guys know, Riley got infected, but Ellie did not, which proves to show her immunity. But, again, it was a great a great episode. I enjoyed it. I know a lot of people didn't, called it filler, but, again, it was telling the backstory. One thing I loved was the fact that she was remembering this while Joel, in pain after being stabbed, told her to run. Like I said, really great. I can't wait to see what happens next. And we're going to be going into the last two episodes, with one of them airing tonight, since next week is the last episode of the season, and I know people are not prepared for it. Today's episode is going to be so much fun. I already know what's going to happen. Ooh, I hope y'all ready for some uh, Wolverine-style brutality. (laughs) Anyway, uh, moving on, Ted Lasso is back for season three, and a trailer has dropped. While I have not watched the series, I have friends who love it, and you know what? Good for them. Good for them. This past week, moving on, we had the Season 3 premiere of The Mandalorian, and wow, was it fantastic. And for those of you who don't know, uh, between Seasons 2 and The Book of Boba Fett was a two-year time skip. I don't know how long it's been since Book of Boba and Season 3 premiere, but my guess it's been a little bit. But, anyway, in the beginning, I honestly thought that it was a prequel, uh, like a flashback scene. But, honestly, with Mando showing up to basically talk to the head Mandalorian of his clan to tell her about going back to Mandalore... And bathing in the waters was fantastic. Especially how he appeared when a creature was almost killing his clan and he just destroyed it. Fantastic. And it's funny because when he goes back to get some friends, he goes back to Navarro. Where it changed from a town full of bounty hunters and crooks to a more respectable and, most importantly, an independent planet. Mando's looking for help on his journey to Mandalore and talks to Carl Weathers' character, Grief. And he wants to make Mando a Marshal. But Mando says he's needed to complete his mission. He tells Grief that he wants IG-11 back. And for those of you who do not recognize that IG-11 was the droid who sacrificed himself in the Season 1 finale. Really great character and he says he's the only droid he trusts. Which is true because, remember, he took off his helmet for that droid. And it wasn't against his creed because the droid was not living. While talking, they run into some pirates, which they kill most of them after they were trying to start trouble... ...by going into a school that they had previously thought was a bar. And it it was previously. Uh, So after talking and killing some pirates, they go to the statue dedicated to IG-11... ...take the parts that were originally his... And Mando successfully revives him, but he goes back to factory settings and his original programming, which, which is to kill Grogu. if you guys remember episode 1. Uh, they end up killing him once again and take him to some, and I think I'm butchering these creatures' names, Anzelian. Uh, If you guys remember, uh, the Anzelion was the small creature from Introduced first in... Uh, it wasn't The Force Awakens, it wasn't The Last Jedi... What was the third Star Wars film? Ah, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's on the tip of my tongue. The Rise of Skywalker, that's where it was. I apologize. I only watch each of those movies once for good reasons. Anyway, um, great characters. I love these little creatures, and I love how tech-savvy they are. Heck, one of my favorite moments in this was when Grogu picks one up, and it was just hilarious. Anyway, uh, they say that they're able to repair IG-11, but they need a new memory unit for him and since they don't make droids like him anymore it's going to be very hard to find it. Mando says he knows uh, he'll he basically bring it to them and if he does if they can fix him they said yes and my guess is he's going to be heading to Tatooine to see uh, Peli Moto, the mechanic. He is ambushed by pirates while heading out of Navarro and basically destroys most of the ships until he runs into Goran Shard, the King Pirate. He escapes from Shard's main ship, and I assume from this, Shard is going to play some type of mini-antagonist, so I'm curious to see where that goes. He goes to see Bo-Katan to see about her help, but she is sulking in her castle because she does not have the Darksaber, which means she is not the ruler of Mandalore, and apparently her friends have abandoned her to become mercenaries. She tells Mando that it's useless to go back, And the planet has been vaporized. He leaves her sulking and the episode ends. And I gotta say, I thought this episode was fantastic. It already starts to implement some storylines we're going to see happening. And I can't wait to see how all these plot lines come together. One thing I love is the fact that we apparently can't get Pedro Pascal off our TVs. Because while The Mandalorian is starting and The Last of Us is ending. Still same actor and still a great story continuing. Honestly... One of the biggest things i also want to see is the fact who's gonna be playing the main antagonist i still would say it's bo katan but honestly i could be wrong it could be moff gideon escaping from jail who knows anyway moving on to a same star wars universe but different timeline the bad batch and the recent episode of the bad batch was phenomenal and it starts off as like a horror movie akin to alien where a hidden creature that we do not see eats a clone commando. We cut to a planet where the Empire has a scientist holding Nala Se, and if you don't know who that is, she's actually one of the main Kamoan scientists behind the cloning of the clones, trying to get her help with the Empire's cloning projects. She refuses. It cuts back to the gang still being mad at Sid for abandoning them, ...on the planet and not sending for help. Now, I don't know why Sid is acting like this... ...considering that Tech literally risked his life to get her out of debt. But anyway, she tells them she has a job... ...and after a bit of negotiating, she tells them that she will give them a 50% cut... ...for this next job, and she says that if they don't get anything, do not bother coming back to her. Which is kind of rough considering all the stuff they have done for her, but... Then again, after they saved her, the guy that was holding her did say that she was like this. So, I guess things really do come in full circle. Anyway, they get to the ship, which is basically destroyed from the inside out on a planet. And they see that there are some cloning material. While they're also walking around, they see a small creature, which I recognize instantly as a Zillow Beast. And this is really great because one, it's taking one of the plot lines that I thought was forgotten in the Clone Wars where Palpatine wanted uh, the Zillow Beast clone for its hide and its utility. Because if you guys remember, the armor on a Zillow Beast is highly resistant to basically blaster fire to lightsabers, making its hide very valuable into points of making armor. Heck, I don't even know what's stronger, Beskar armor or Zillow Beast skin, because if you think about it, Beskar armor basically melts. It has a melting point, where the Zillow Beast armor does not. So again, really great stuff, and I'm happy they're taking this plotline and running with it. But anyway, this is not bode well for the Bad Batch, because one... They have no way to kill it, and with this thing eating tech, not technology, but eating electricity and growing bigger, it gets to the point where they're having to save this town or attempting to, but to no avail. The Empire shows up, and they all escape, but not before tech gets some more information on the cloning capabilities and the technology of the ship that was not destroyed, but basically abandoned. They get onto their ship and fly away. Where the Empire basically disposes of the creature, making it unconscious. Now, a lot of people may have a problem with this, saying, why did? Why were they able to dispose of it so easily? Uh, Zillow Beast on Coruscant wasn't taken down that fast. But if you guys remember, this isn't a original Zillow Beast. This is a clone. So my guess is that they basically made a weakness for the Zillow Beast to a certain weapon that they had on a point where they can just continue to blast it until it's knocked down. Which makes sense because if you're going to make a creature this powerful and this resilient to blaster fire and lightsabers, you're going to want to have a weakness on hand that you can exploit. Especially if this thing starts getting out of hand. Uh, While they take the creature into custody, they also round out everybody in the town to keep everybody quiet on what they saw. My guess is that they killed them all, but that's just me. Anyway, uh, the gang says they're going to contact Rex and Echo to see what they want to do. Especially with this revelation that the Empire destroyed Kamino so they can monopolize the cloning facility and cloning stuff other than clones. Yeah, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> anyway, uh, while they're doing this, the scene switches back to the scientist, and uh, he brings Lamasu, the senator of Kamino, in attempts to help him convince Nalasu to basically, not Nalasu, Nalase, to uh, join them. Uh, Lamasu says that she has a fondness for a clone called Omega, and to get Nalase to do whatever they want, they need to capture Omega. Now, the episode ends with them planning, but honestly, this was a great episode. It finally gets stuff started after a few episodes of Touch and Go, and I wonder if they're ever going to do a plotline where the Zillow Beast project fails, because if you guys remember, it never really goes anywhere, or it's never brought up. So something happens. To where they abandon this project altogether and Palpatine sees this as a failure. Super excited to see where it goes. I'm very happy to see Star Wars picking this plot line up. I always wondered like whatever happened to this plot line and here it is. Just give Dave Filoni a couple years and he'll get things started again. Anyway, uh, that's it for Star Wars. A new TV series which I did not expect to be happening has dropped a trailer. And if you like Elvis, you'll definitely like this series called Agent Elvis. Or Agent, is it Agent Elvis? Or even Agent Presley? Let me look this up. And it's Agent Elvis. And like the title suggests, Elvis is going to be a secret agent for the government. And it looks like it's going to be crazy similar to Archer, which isn't a bad thing. And the animation seems smoother. And Elvis is going to be played by Matthew McConaughey, which I'm excited about. Because honestly I really like Matthew McConaughey and him playing Elvis as a secret agent already looks like it's going to be some fun. Now as I stated this looks like it's going the Archer route so it's going to be for adults so don't let your kids watch any of this. It also stars uh, Don Cheadle and Johnny Knoxville and it already looks crazy from the trailer. I know they're going to implement some of his music so honestly I'll give it a shot. Maybe it'll be good maybe it'll be bad but can't say it's not interesting. Anyway, that's it for TV shows. We're going to be moving on to movies. And one of the most interesting releases that is happening, especially since it's being distributed by G-Kids, one of the biggest distributors of anime movies to America, is distributing this Spanish animated film called Unicorn Wars. And while it may sound like a kid movie... Ooh, it's far from it. I really hope somebody doesn't look at this title and think, you know what? This is a great movie to show Little Jimmy. Because trust me, Little Jimmy's gonna be scarred. This is an anti-war film talking about drugs, it looks from the trailer like it's gonna be glory, and it's gonna be very meta. It is releasing March 10th, and just wow! It you guys got to see this trailer. It is very trippy, very very trippy. Kind of looks like a Vietnam film, but rev- uh, reverse America versus Vietnam with unicorns and teddy bears. Just wow! Uh, like I said, I would definitely recommend looking up this trailer. I cannot describe it because it won't be doing any justice at all. So it's just trippy. Something you'd probably watch high. Or on LSD. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, moving on, I just saw Creed three, and wow, it was a really great movie. And don't worry, this is a spoiler-free review, so don't worry if you haven't seen the movie. But in my opinion, I think this was actually the best of all three films. The story was really great, the acting from both Jordan and Majors was brilliant... And everyone brought their A-game. I mean, Jesus, this was a fantastic movie. The playlist for the movie was really great. I really liked how it was moving. You had some surprise cameos in the movie uh, from characters I wasn't expecting to come back. And honestly, as much as I did miss seeing Rocky in this film, I liked how they took this movie into a different direction with its own style, yet paying homage to Rocky as well. So really great film. Would definitely recommend it. 10 out of 10. Yes, I said a 10 out of 10. Anyway, moving on, a new live-action remake and their second attempt, yes, I said second attempt, from the 2003 film, is Peter Pan and Wendy. The trailer has attempted to tell a new story of the classic tale. It looks like it's going to be fun. The cast seems interesting. The plot seems slightly different. Yep. going the same exact uh, way and I mean if I don't sound too excited I mean I'm already I've said this before I'm tired of the live action remakes just do your own thing make your own movie come up with something new we're already tired and especially since this is the second live action I'm waiting for them to redo 101 Dalmatians I really hope they don't because the one that came out 20 years ago was just fine. Also, I'm already looking forward to seeing on the internet people freak out because they race-swapped Tinkerbell. Yay, go internet. Anyway, uh, I'll probably watch this film and see how it goes, but let's do something new, please. Peter Pan does not need a live-action. Do Atlantis! Yes, Atlantis, Treasure Planet. Those deserve the live-action treatment. But anyway, uh, moving on, A interesting Apple... TV short film. It looks very beautiful to say the least. It's called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. It's a short film, so my guess maybe 45 minutes, maybe even 30. And it's based off the best selling novel with the same name. It's a very much a mouthful of a name, but it's a name. But the one thing that makes this animation beautiful is basically. It looks like it's akin to water painting, which gives it a very unique and interesting look. It looks like it's going to be a crying film, so if you want to see this film, make sure you have some tissues, but it looks really great. It has a stellar cast, and I'm actually looking forward to it. Talking about a stellar cast, one that I did not expect having this many actors are showing up for the new Haunted Mansion film. The trailer dropped, and wow... I mean, the cast includes, what, Danny DeVito, Owen Wilson, Lakeith Stanfield, Rosario Dawson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jared Leto, Tiffany Haddish, Dan Levy, and Wiona Ryder. Like I said, wow, that's a stellar cast right there. Okay, maybe not really Jared Leto, they could have just dropped him, but I don't know. Uh, He's not on his own on this film, so he probably won't curse it like he's cursed his other two films. But the film is basically revolving a single mom and her kid moving into the mansion that they got sold for pretty cheap. But apparently it's more than they bargained for and they turn to a priest who's being played by Owen Wilson. And I guess he feels like he's out of his debt because Owen Wilson's character enlists the help of a scientist turned failed paranormal expert, a psychic and a historian to get rid of the ghosts before they're all killed. Now, the plot does seem like it's going to be fun, and from the trailer, it's dipping more into horror than it did with comedy, and which is okay. It definitely wants to go a different route than the Eddie Murphy film. I did love the Eddie Murphy film. I thought it was really great, so I'm glad to see them taking it in a different direction with new characters, and I can't wait to see it. Honestly, it looks like it's going to be a fun movie, And, I mean, Danny DeVito, Owen Wilson, Rosario Dawson, Jamie Lee Curtis, and the rest of the cast. Where can you go wrong? Speaking of horror, Dead by Daylight is actually getting a movie adaptation, which is going to be interesting. I do not know who's going to be in the movie. I do not know what the movie is going to be about. Because when it comes to Dead by Daylight, they have a lot of lore and a lot of guest characters. I know that Jason Voorhees, not Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers leatherface and freddy cougar is not going to show up but they have a lot of their own monsters that they've created so i don't know where they're going to be going with it because honestly i don't see why they made a movie out of this i honestly think with as much lore as they have brought into this whole game series they should have made a tv show each season uh going into the different monsters or something like that that would have been fun heck just do it on netflix hbo max or even amazon prime but again if they already have an idea for a movie that they're going into, who am I to say anything? Who knows? Maybe the movie will be fantastic. Personally, I actually, I really don't know who they'd make the movie about. Maybe they'll make it about multiple of the killers and some of the survivors and stuff like that. In each sequel, we're getting more and more into the depth. Again, I feel like it would have been better as a TV show, but that's just me. Moving on, uh, Detective Pikachu 2 seems to have found their director... And since the last one was very successful, I honestly can't wait to see where they're going to go with this. Especially since uh, Ryan Reynolds' character, who was trapped in Pikachu's body, is no longer there. Maybe a new plot line will come up where he has to go back into the body of a Pikachu. I'm very interested to see where it goes. And you know what? I actually really enjoyed the last one. It was pretty fun. So I will look forward to Detective Pikachu 2. Heck, maybe this is the start of the Smash Brothers universe. Just saying anyway uh that's it for movies we're going to be moving on to video games and pokemon scarlet and Violet will be getting two new dlcs releasing this year one will be in the fall and the other will be in the winter called the hidden treasure of area zero and the first part of this will be called the teal mask while the other is the indigo disc very interesting name both look fun and honestly i really really hope they go off without a hitch because I don't think this game can handle any more bugs or bad press because if you remember both Scarlet and Violet were hammered with so many bugs it was not even funny. Yeesh. Uh, but I hope these I hope this DLC goes off and it's really great because honestly I I honestly think they need to stop with releasing Pokemon games every year give it a couple years it doesn't need to be Call of Duty even Call of Duty is giving it a rest making sure to do it every two years i think pokemon needs to do the same route and maybe just release like spin-off games like pokemon snap or heck this next game which i'm going to be talking about which actually i don't really think it is a game but it's being called a game so we'll see what happens and it's called pokemon sleep where it's going to be an app that will keep track of your sleep patterns and your length of sleep put it in your sleep style which apparently is a thing where you'll be able to attract Pokemon who have the same type of sleep style. You'll be able to work with your Pokemon, be attached. Apparently, the app is going to talk to you. It seems very interesting. I'm very curious to see how it goes. And maybe it'll help people sleep more knowing that there's Pokemon surrounding them. Who knows? Very interesting. I feel like this is just going to collect your data for something else, but... That's just me. Anyway, Sims 4 is getting another expansion called Growing Together. And from the looks of it, you'll be able to raise a family with the experience of having a family dynamic with family members dropping by. And it looks very simple where you'll have family problems. And I mean, who doesn't want that as a DLC, especially in Sims 4? I know I don't. <laughs> But maybe people will like it and have fun with it. I'm not a really big Sims 4 fan, so maybe people who are will like this. One thing I am a fan of, and I'm super happy that it's getting more stuff, is Sifu. And if you guys don't remember, it's a fighting game where every time you get defeated, you grow older. And they're adding an arena mode, and you'll be able to test your skills with multiple enemies, different enemies, with different game modes... And I'm glad they're doing this to bring people back into the world. Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a sequel or something because this game was just very unique. It was really great. And I don't think people talk about this game, which is a shame. Anyway, talking about being back, Sackboy is back. If you don't remember who Sackboy is, you've never played Little Planet, Little Big Planet, excuse me, and it shows. And he's back for a mobile game. Yeah, I know. Mobile games are super fun. But the game is called Ultimate Sackboy. I don't know if this is going to be good or not. Or just a cash grab like most mobile games. But I I hope it's good. I really do. Because honestly, I really want a new little big planet. And I think this is the closest we're ever going to get. Speaking of getting... Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is getting Wave 4 started with 8 new maps and this is going to include a quite a few actually from the Tour app of Mario Kart so Singapore Speedway, Bangkok Rush, uh, DK Summit from the Wii which is pretty cool, Amsterdam Drift also from Tour. Riverside Park from the Game Boy Advance, Mario Circuit from the DS game which is an absolute classic. Well, Ouija Stadium from Double Dash, and I really hope they will add for this map a way to be able to have a Double Dash with your partner playing against you or in your back. Because honestly, Mario Double Dash is one of my favorite Mario games. And a new map called Yoshi's Island. So I can't wait to play all of this on Mario Kart. I'm really glad that they're adding all these uh, maps, even if you had to pay for the DLC, which isn't that bad. Big of a deal considering what each wave, and there's like four to five. No, I think there's actually going to be seven waves of eight maps each, which is a steal, especially if you want to test your might against classic and new maps altogether. Uh, Speaking of Mario, Mario and Rabbits, Sparks of Hope is getting a DLC called Tower of Doom with a new combat mode with new, ever facing challenges that end you get to face different enemies. And the higher you go on this tower, the tougher the enemies are. And I'm super excited that this is getting DLC. Maybe it will boost the sales because, if I remember correctly, this game fell way below expectations for Ubisoft. So maybe they're trying to bring people back and new players in. I hope it works because, honestly, this game isn't bad. And I really hope they make a sequel. And I still find it funny how this game won in the strategy Category and the Game Awards over Total War Three. I know a bunch of my friends were mad at that, and I found it hilarious. Anyway, Metroid Fusion is going to be available for the Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack as they're advancing from, of course, the N64 era to a Game Boy Advance library. And for Metro fans everywhere, uh, I know you're going to be happy, especially since this is going to be a nostalgia trip. And I love how much love Metroid is getting. And heck, that's not even the end. Metroid Prime is getting remastered and is now available for the Switch. So again, Metroid fans are having the time of their lives getting old games remastered or being able to play old games on their Switch. Their fan base is definitely going to be fed for a while. And since they're still expecting the release of a new Metroid game, heck, they're good. Good for you guys. Anyway, uh, moving on, we're going to be talking about Destiny 2 Lightfall campaign. And I will say this as a piece of advice. If you're having trouble with any of the campaign, especially if you're playing on Legendary. By God, if you're playing this on Legendary, you're going to need some help. I mean, the only way you can solo this is if you got skills, you got a bunch of exotics mods from the previous campaigns and you have everything nished down, you're still going to have some struggle. But if you do need help, the Destiny 2 app is a great way to find it because you're going to be able to join a fire team. And if you're doing a uh, basically a legendary run, they will put in the title, hey, I'm doing this campaign mission on legendary, please join, and you'll be able to be helped by like-minded individuals that want to complete this campaign fast. I did it yesterday. It was super fun. Uh, We lost one person, but we were able to come in with the clutch. So, again, if you are getting tired of not being able to solo this, definitely join a fire team on the Destiny 2 app. This isn't me advertising for Destiny 2 app. This is just me letting you know there's an easier way. Trust me, especially if you're going to be doing headlong, you're going to need some help. And heck, the last mission of the campaign, Fighting Kallus... If you're able to do that solo, my you have my utmost respect, pretty much. Uh, one thing I will say is the newest gun that they've had for the annual pass seems kind of like a cheat. I mean, it's not pay to win. Like, you can do the campaign without this gun, but it makes things so much easier having it. And it kind of sucks that it's kind of stuck behind a paywall, but that's just me. Tell me what you guys think. But that's it for video games. Moving on to Nerd Theories. And I think we're going to be getting Injustice 3. I believe since the comics are moving forward with this side story for the Injustice universe, I think this is the stepping stones to creating Part 3. Because honestly, I have no idea where the story will go. And with Tom Taylor basically creating the universe... With his prequel comics for Injustice and making Injustice 2, I think John Kent going back to the world of Injustice will give Netherrealm an opportunity to build upon that for Injustice 3. I'm excited for it because Injustice series has been one of my favorites. The storylines have been incredible and I think with them taking note from Tom Taylor's work... And building upon that is going to be a fantastic idea. And I'm here for it. Anyway, that's just my opinion and just my theory on where they're going to be at with Injustice 3. Anyway, uh, that's it for my near theories. Moving on to current events. The new iPhone 15s are going to be having, and I say this with a smile on my face, USB-C chargers. Because I do have a lot of those. And it's going to be great that I don't have to buy a lightning cable anymore. Now, if you're very confused on why they're changing their chargers from lightning cable to USB-C, it's because of a court decision that happened in the European Union to lessen waste, to have all phones, cell phones, use one type of charger. And since most of the newest phones, whether it be Samsung, Google, or whatever, was already on USB-C apple was yeah apple was not winning that at all i don't think they would have agreed to have everybody switch to lightning cable when apple was the only person left out so now all the new iphones are going to be using usbcs so if you have them fantastic you're good to go if you have an old iphone and are going to be trying to look for lightning cables yeah, this is probably gonna be Apple's way to get you to upgrade because they're probably gonna stop production of those and yeah, you know how Apple is. They're gonna be coming up with their own versions which is gonna be faster or just as expensive or even more so because once they slap that half-eaten Apple on there, you already know it's gonna be like $50. Anyway, uh, this the new iPhones, besides having uh, one type of charger, is also going to have the newest A17 chip and a new Periscope camera. For those of you who don't know what a Periscope camera is, on an iPhone, it's going to be allowing you to zoom in at 10X. So it's going to be clear and not blurry. Now, the new Samsung 20 Ultra has this feature, and it looks good, so it only makes sense for iPhone to have it too. The design on the phone is going to be different, and it looks like it's gonna be a more futuristic feel. I'm super excited to be upgraded, to an A17 chip, which means everything's going to be faster, everything's going to run smoother, and we're of course the usual better battery life because after what uh the update that kind of killed everybody's phones with the battery life, I'm super excited to get a phone that's actually gonna be able to handle that. So, we'll see what happens. I'm excited and who knows, maybe I'll upgrade with all of you guys, especially if there's a good deal for a trade-in. So, that's about it, and that's it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for joining me. I know I said that last week that may or may not be able to come in, but I'm super happy that my procedure went well and I'm able to talk normally. Eh, Okay, maybe less normally than usual, but still normal. Anyway, uh, for those of you who want to know, sadly, when you get your wisdom teeth removed, you can't really eat any solids. Mostly soft food, so like eggs is fine, Uh, bread is fine as long as it's not toasted too well, but it kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Hopefully, by this Wednesday, I'll be able to eat solids because I am really having a hankering for some pizza. Anyway... That's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys have a good one. Sayonara, see you later, and have a blessed one. Goodbye.